Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They exalt, exalt in your righteousness. For you are their glory and, and strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, who is able to fully declare all your praise? Who is able to declare your glory, your honor, your majesty? We cannot. Lord, help us. Help your servant read to speak your word. Help us to receive it. So Lord, we are, we are ignorant and foolish without you. Fill our cup, Lord. We lift it up. Come and quench the thirsting of our soul. Bread of heaven, feed us till we want no more. Fill our cup, Lord. We lift it up to you. We, we love you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Thank you so much, David. Well, we're in a series called The Spirit-Filled Church, and I want to talk to you about the church as a place where we celebrate and worship and praise God. You know, the things that you set your mind on affect your happiness in the Lord. It's pretty basic truth, but your thoughts affect your mood. Mike Sheeks uh, exhorted the uh, elders and deacons last Monday night to be strong in thankfulness. And he said, our thankfulness as leaders affects the atmosphere of the whole church. And I said, amen. What we think about, what we talk about, our themes, our attitudes, our perspectives affects the atmosphere, the mood, the happiness in the Lord of the whole church. And in Psalm 89, God calls us to set our hearts and our minds on certain themes that produce a state of happiness or joy or blessedness in the Lord. Our happiness individually and as a church family is found in being centered on God. And I'm going to read this passage for you again. I'm going to read it from, uh, I think it's the 2011 NIV, which is just a bit different. But it says, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. And several years ago, I ran across this verse, and it, it... it, it hit me in a powerful way after I learned what the word acclaim means. Because <laughs> I read this, there's how blessed are those who've learned to acclaim you. Well, acclaim means to praise someone enthusiastically. It means to cheer, to applaud, to speak highly of. And that's what we're supposed to do toward or about the Lord. And this psalm says there is a special state of blessedness. There is a special state of happiness. There is a special state of blessing for you 
if you learn to speak highly of the Lord. There is a special blessing for us as a church if we learn to speak highly of the Lord, if we praise Him enthusiastically, if we cheer Him and applaud Him. And the word blessed, of course, as I've already alluded to, includes the this, this sense of, of happiness, being in a state of favor or blessedness or, or happiness. So we could say that happy, oh, how happy are those who have learned to say good things about their God. And I think this calls for a little bit of, of self-examination. What, what are the dominant thoughts and themes that typically run through our mind and hearts most of the time? A man by the name of David Brooks said that the dominant mindset we are living under today could be labeled the big me. And he, he talked about... You know, we have our iPhones and our iPads and our iPods, and it's, we live in an I culture, the big, big me. We live in a culture that encourages self-absorption. Absorption. We live in a culture that encourages self-focus. We tend to be completely taken up with how am I doing? How are things working out for me? How did this turn out for me? Of course, uh, we, we always are uh, aware, and we're supposed to be. We are aware of our own circumstances, our own pain, our own disappointments. But we were never made to set our minds completely on ourselves. That can only lead to bad moods, to grumpiness, and much worse. Paul said the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. God created us as new creations. He created us to be taken up with him, to be absorbed with him, to enjoy him, to celebrate him, to praise him, to thank him, to say good things about him all day long. And to the the degree that we do not do that, we're killing our own ability to, to be happy. We're killing our, or we're destroying our own ability to walk in this state of blessedness that he describes here for the people who, who do that. So we desperately need a God focus to displace ourselves as the center of our lives. G.K. Chesterton said, I don't know if, how many of you guys are familiar with him or not, and I won't go into who he is, but Chesterton said, how much larger your life would be if yourself could become a smaller part of it. I like that. So we're going to talk this morning about the church as a place of celebration, a place of praise and of worship, a place where we talk about how good our God is. And we need to be a God-conscious people. We need to be a God-conscious church because there just isn't very much happiness or blessedness in just ourselves. Our, our joy, our happiness, our celebration, um, this sense of being a blessed people comes from being conscious of God, taken up with, with, with His goodness and grace, with His loving kindness and greatness, with His awesome power and holiness 
and all that he has given us with Christ. He is what we need to think about, to talk about, and to sing about. And as I said, our, our theme that we're going to camp out on here for the next several weeks is the Spirit-filled church, and which means the church is the place God lives by His Spirit. I love Ephesians 2.22 that Josh started us off with last week. We are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. I mean, I can't think of a better definition of church. In fact, we don't really have church at all unless God lives among us in a present, active sort of way. And He does that by His Spirit. Church is God coming among us to saturate our lives individually, to saturate our fellowship, to saturate our conversation, to saturate the attitudes and perspectives of our heart by His Spirit. And based on the Scripture, as the Spirit dwells among us, one of the primary things we will do is to sing and talk about how good our God is. Ephesians chapter 5, a command was given to the church at Ephesus. You're all familiar with it. Do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And what comes right after that? Talk or speak. Uh, Be filled with the Spirit, talking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So a a spirit-filled life becomes a life that that is talking and singing, making melody in the heart to God, and, and really even speaking to one another that way. Another... Uh, evidence of this being the result of a spirit this, this, of a spirit filled church is at Pentecost you know when the church was filled with the, with the spirit at Pentecost, they were speaking in tongues, and everybody knows that. but do you know what they were saying? It says that they were declaring the wonders of God. they were speaking in tongues, declaring the wonders of God. And so that's to be the dominant mindset of our lives. That's to be the theme of the church. In a spirit-filled church, we speak and we sing of God's wonders. We do that instead of emphasizing how crummy or pathetic or what a bummer our lives are. It doesn't mean we can't be honest about our pains and our griefs and our disappointments. But we are not stuck in them. We are not mired in them. We are not bound in them. We give thanks to God. We are a people who have learned through the Spirit to give thanks to God in all things. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we do that because that's what people do who are touched by the Spirit. That's what people learn to do who are filled and affected by the Holy Spirit. And when we, be, when we come under the influence of the Spirit instead of under the influence of alcohol, when we come under the influence of the Spirit, 
we began to learn to be people who praise and thank and express our gratitude enthusiastically to God. In other words, the Holy Spirit starts to transform us from very self, self-focused people who are, who are trapped in our circumstances, people of grumbling, who are negative hope and, and filled with negative, hopeless perspectives into people who give thanks and praise and speak highly of our God. And so as a church, together, that's what we want to happen. I mean, part, part of what we want to see happen through this series is a church that we grow in that. That as a church, we, we learn to acclaim the Lord. We learn together. Together, we learn to praise and celebrate God. Now, I mean, we do that. I'm not saying we don't do that, but we want this to become even more of a mark of us as a church, even more of a mark of our lives individually, and more of a mark of our gathering together. Now, as I said, the Lord laid on my... I thought about this topic of celebration, and I I was praying over what what verse to select, and I really felt like the Lord brought, brought... this group of verses to my mind from Psalm 89 for this topic this morning. It is, it is really a revolutionary truth that is revealed here. And it has the power to over, overthrow long-held attitudes in your life that need to go. And so let's read it again. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you. Who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and strength. Some translators have said that just starting this verse with the word blessed really doesn't capture the feeling of it here. Because this is a, this is a burst of exclamation. It's, a, it's an outburst of wonder. And it really should be translated, Oh, the blessedness of those who know the joyful sounds of worship. Some of the other translations of this verse are, Blessed are the people, or excuse me, blessed is the people that knows your glory songs. That's from the Aramaic Bible. Blessed is the people that knows your glory songs. In other words, blessed are the people, blessed are those people who are familiar with singing songs of glory to God. That is is the kind of songs they know and are experienced at singing to God. Oh, how happy are these kinds of people. I especially love that translation. Blessed is the people that knows your glory songs. The New American Standard, how blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. The ISV, how happy are the people who can worship joyfully. The Holman translation, happy are the people that know the joyful shout. God's Word translation, blessed are the people who know how to praise you. Pretty simple. But honestly, I have to say I like the NIV here. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you. Because that word incorporates all 
of these. How blessed are those who have learned. Blessed are those who have come to know. Blessed are those who have come to know in personal experience what it is to shout joyfully and praise enthusiastically and to celebrate their God. Does your heart, and I don't ask this in a condemning way, but just in a self-examining way, does your heart know the sound of joyful worship? If not, it's something we need to grow in really badly and really quickly. (laughs) Are we a people who know what the joyful shout is all about? Are we a people who know the glory songs? Do we know that kind of worship? Do we know what it is to go around saying how good and wonderful God is? Do we speak well of God? Well, this psalm says it's something we really should learn because that is where the blessing of God is found. That is where the the, the blessed life truly is. That is where, I mean, people are all the time looking for the good life. This is where it's at. How good is the life of those who have learned to praise the Lord. And there's a subtle warning here too, just, just if you think about the reverse of this verse. If, if we are blessed in speaking well of God, then, then there is a sense in which there is an absence of of this blessing if we do not learn this, if we do not walk in this. And the sad reality is that those who, who do not worship much miss out on much. There's a, there's a passage in, in, in Zechariah chapter 16 very, very interesting about worship. And it speaks about the end time battle of the nations against Jerusalem and the king of kings. Uh, but, but again, it says something very interesting about worship. It says, The survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the festival of tabernacles. If any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. And it goes on to say that, that really drought, hunger, poverty of soul, even the plague is a portion of those who refuse to go up to worship. So do not let your hearts become hardened against praise. Do not let your hearts become cynical about rejoicing in God. Do not let your heart be hardened against celebrating, enthusiastically celebrating our God and our King the Lord Almighty. Blessing, blessing is upon the worshipers. Remember that. Now there's more to this verse. It goes on, who they walk or who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. The New American Standard, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Or they walk in the light of your countenance, I believe. I'm sorry, is is the New American Standard. They walk in the light of your countenance. The ESV says, who walk in the light of your face. I like that. You know, when you you just go around praising God, when when you go around celebrating Him, 
It's like, it's like you're walking in the light of God's face. Albert Barnes translates this. They shall live in thy favor and enjoy thy smiles. I like that maybe best of all. But that's what's being communicated. They shall live in thy favor and enjoy thy smiles. People who enthusiastically praise God. Enjoy the the smile of his face. Enjoy the light of his countenance upon you. Now I believe that God is smiling at us in Christ. I believe that when God sees you as a son or daughter, that he smiles at you, that that he is pleased when he sees you as a son or daughter in Christ. The blood of Jesus brings us acceptance and peace with God. I mean, God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. He has made us friends with himself through Christ but unless, but unless his great goodness and grace becomes the topic and the theme of your thoughts and your talk, we will miss out in this present sense of blessedness that comes from praising him and, and glorying in these things. Another uh, old commentator that I uh, enjoy, Scottish commentator Alexander McLaren put it this way the people who are sure that they have their king in their midst and who feel that he is looking down upon them with tender pity with loving care with nothing but friendship and sweetness in his heart, these people says the psalmist are blessed, aren't we? Verse 16 goes on. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. Can't help but notice that phrase, all day long, can you? (laughs) Uh, These people do this all day long. There are times when we all are uh, dry and weary spiritually, uh, can't seem to find our, our joy, and sometimes it's, it's a fight to, uh, to get our joy. But God's normal plan for us, his ideal plan for us is to rejoice in him all day long, every day. And again, I'm going to quote Alexander McLaren. He asks, is it possible for a man to go through life carrying this atmosphere with him constantly? His short answer is yes, because we may always carry God with us wherever we go. But he goes on to say, I know that an absolute attainment of such an ideal is perhaps beyond us, but we can approach nearer to it than any of us has done yet. And I I like that. That should, be, that should be the, the aim and object. That should be the goal. That, that should be what we aim for, that we would rejoice in his name all day long. Now, the key is, again, this God-word focus. The key is that we rejoice in his name. 
we rejoice in him. Uh, trying to find this, this state of blessedness, trying to find this happiness, this blessed life in ourselves with, with our failures and imperfections and weaknesses is just such a total dead end. We rejoice in him. And when we don't do that, when we, when we don't turn our attention to rejoice in him, when we, when, we, when we walk in a state where we lack worship and thanksgiving, it, it makes us even more self-focused and more self-conscious instead of God-conscious, and therefore, instead of blessed and happy, really leads to our own unhappiness. But when we, when we celebrate God, we free ourselves from a multitude of problems that come with self-focus because according to this psalm and many, many others, but according to this psalm especially, we, we're not supposed to be self-focused people. We are to be people who talk about God and how good He is. Some of the ladies uh, reading a devotional by A.B. Simpson, uh, Days of Heaven on Earth, fantastic devotional. I, I, I've been reading it. I just love it. And there's one devotional. I can't tell you what day it is, but it's, it's worth... It's worth the price of the book, and it's, it's worth uh, reading through the entire book just to find this, this one truth. And I mean, I, I, thought, I thought this was really a treasure. Maybe it's just because it's something I needed to hear, uh, but maybe, maybe you do too. It's a, little, it's a little longer quote than I normally would read from, from up front here, but, but it's, it's worth it. So let's listen up. Um, I'll... Uh, I'll pretend like I'm uh, Stanley. Every other, every other sentence, he says, listen, now listen. Okay, now listen. This is the one time you really want to listen. Okay. It is a great deliverance to lose one's self. There is no heavier millstone that one can be compelled to carry, carry than self-consciousness. It is so easy to get introverted and coiled around oneself in our spiritual consciousness. There is nothing that is so easy to fasten on as our own misery until it becomes almost a settled habit to hold on to our burden and pray it unceasingly into the very face of God until our very prayer saturates us with our own misery, instead of asking for, the, for power to drop ourselves altogether and to leave ourselves in his loving hands and to know that we are free and then to rise into the blessed liberty of his higher thoughts and will and his love and care for others. The very act of letting go of ourselves really lifts us into a higher plane and relieves us from the thing that is hurting us. Amen. And that's exactly what worship does for us. It frees us from our own misery. It frees us from our own miserable selves and gets us thinking about God. The next verse goes on. They celebrate your righteousness. 
They celebrate your righteousness. And I love, you know, Josh's emphasis, the emphasis of worship this morning. We need that. We need to focus on God's righteousness. They celebrate your righteousness. Our righteousness does not ever reach a level that can make us right with God. I mean, we're, certainly, we're, I mean, we, 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 we are called to righteousness. We, we live in it. But our righteousness never can make us right with God. But 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us that Jesus Christ has become our righteousness and holiness. Romans 3.21, But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. The righteousness of God. And so we rejoice in that. God's righteousness, credited to us, given to us, imparted to us, is always something for us to celebrate. And so when you, when you get up in the morning, instead of focusing on yourself, your flaws, your failures, your weaknesses, you begin to proclaim how righteous the Lord is and how pure and faultless He is and how in His amazing grace He has accredited you with his righteousness and the very perfect righteous obedience of Christ. And then you focus on how God will enable you through the Spirit to live out his will in righteousness this very day. But it's, it, it's, it all comes from him. We're, 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 we're credited with the very righteousness of Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in us and enables us to do the will of God, to live out a righteous life. And we, so, we, so all in all, we rejoice in him and his righteousness. Verse 17, for you are their glory and strength, and by your favor you exalt our horn. God is your glory. The, the, the thing that's glorious about you is God, that you have God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is yours. God himself is your great reward. God is the most glorious thing about you. So you can get off the treadmill of seeking glory from other people. You can get off the treadmill of seeking that you need the approval of others to survive. You can get off the treadmill of seeking glory in your beauty or your intelligence or your success. God is your glory. God is our glory as a church too. God is our strength. When you're weak and you don't feel like you can take another step, God is your strength. You have the, you have the option nearly every day and maybe a hundred times a day to despair over your weakness or in your weakness you can proclaim that the Lord is my strength. So, but again, we just see this theme, this theme of God focus throughout this whole passage. We blessed are the people who've learned to acclaim you, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. You are their glory and their strength. Now, you may think this seems pretty, pretty unrealistic. 
Um, but I want to tell you just a little bit more about this psalm. This psalm was not written by David. It's a really good one. It's a really good one. But it was not written by David. It was written by a guy named Ethan. I bet you probably never even heard of him. It was written by a guy named Ethan the Ezraite. And I don't know anything about him, but he really had some things about worship figured out. And in, in verse 1, he said, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. Verse 2, I will declare that your love stands firm forever. You have established your faithful in heaven, your faithfulness in heaven itself. Verse 5, the heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. This guy knew how to worship God. He knew how to say good things about his God. So he he knew what it was to be a a blessed person. But you read that and you think, well, did Ethan have any problems? Do you think perhaps he was just some guy in some situation where everything just happened to be going right? Well, not at all. And if you read the rest of the psalm, you will see that he lived some time after David and that he saw the problems of of the bad and backslidden kings that came out of David's line. He experienced the mocking and the taunts of the nations over Israel. And he expressed some real, real problems. But he had learned the blessing of praising the Lord. And that's the way he ends Psalm 89. Praise be to the Lord forever. It's like he said, things are really bad. The nations taunt us. The nations mock us. But... We know how to be a blessed people by praising the Lord. I know how to be a blessed person. I know how to be a happy person. I'm going to praise the Lord forever. I mean, that was the determination of his life. I'm not, going to pray, not that I'm going to praise the Lord for the next 15 minutes or this morning or this afternoon or today, but I have chosen, Ethan said, I have chosen to praise the Lord forever. I'm going to praise the name of the Lord forever. Praise be to the Lord forever. That's going to be, that's going to be the theme, that's going to be the theme of my heart, Ethan said. And praise is a, something you, you determine or you decide. I mean, you decide to be a, a person of praise. You, you decide to be a person that talks about how good God is. You decide that. It's something that you, you see that all through the Psalms. I will Praise the Lord. I will awaken the dawn with praise and with songs. I will sing and make music to the Lord. I will shout to the Lord. I mean, there's this, there's this determination. It's, set, it's a mindset. It's a, it's a direction of life that you can choose. So, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, Lord, and blessed is the church that has learned to acclaim the Lord. And again, 
just a reminder, acclaim means to praise enthusiastically, to cheer, to applaud, to speak highly of. So how do we do this? Just real briefly, I think an important way that I have learned to do it is at least to the degree that I do it is to utilize the words of the Psalms as a pattern for my own heart and thoughts. Now, I think it does actually very little good for you to just read a psalm. What you need to do is read it and then pray it back as if it, those were your very own words to the Lord. That's how, that's how, th- these were written as guides to worship. They weren't written just for you to read information. They were written as guides for the worship of your soul and your heart to God, and you should use it that way. You, in a practical way, you can, you can listen to good worship music or read good devotionals uh, that point you to God. I mean, Sp- Sp- Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, uh, Days of Heaven and Earth here by A.B. Simpson. Um, there, there's, there's, there's several that Cindy and I read and, and we talk about with each other that are, uh, that are a blessing. And then just practice saying good things about God as a matter of routine throughout the day. I, I have a habit, a habit that I developed a long, long time ago. Uh, may not be able to identify with this, but uh, going to the mailbox is not always a good experience for me. And I went through seasons, a uh, particular season in, in, the, in my business many years ago, when I, when I got a, a lot of bad mail. It seemed like every time I went out, there was a letter from an attorney. Um, I had just, this went, I went, went through... Uh, I won't, won't go into the details, but it was just like going to the mailbox was a real challenge. And um, it seemed like there was always a lot of, a lot of bad mail. And so I began, I began the practice of somewhere in the psalm, later in the psalms, they, uh, there's, there's a whole group of songs at the end, at the end of the psalms that's, that just say, Praise the Lord, for He is good, and His loving kindness is everlasting. And so I got, I got in the habit of going, when I would go out to the, to the mailbox, is, is just saying, the Lord is good, and His loving kindness is everlasting. Um, and I began it really more as a practice, just of, of a step of faith, declaring the Lord's goodness to calm my fears. But it's it's actually something I've I've kept up. I still pretty much do it. I just it's just when I walk out the, to the mailbox, I just raise my arms to the Lord usually, and just say, "The Lord is good, and His loving kindness is everlasting." So just practice saying good things about God as a matter of routine. And then go to the gospel. Remind yourself that although you were a sinner and under God's judgment, you were a sinner without God and under judgment, God came into the world as a man through Jesus Christ and he took all of your sin and condemnation upon himself, that he gave you his own righteousness, that you stand now in peace with God, at peace with God. You stand in His grace. You stand now in His love and favor forever. He's poured out His Spirit into your hearts and set you free to love others. You set you free from yourself. And just think about the basic truths of the gospel to encourage and lift up your hearts and generate praise.